Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. From atop TIAA field, uh, I'm uh, still somewhat frazzled Pete Sampson uh, after Notre Dame's 45-38 Gator Bowl win over South Carolina that was college football cocaine, Matt. Um, this game had <laughs> everything, uh, two, a fake punt, a fake field goal, two pick sixes, uh, quarterback returning after not playing all season, uh, short of the first two games, leading a game-winning drive, and for all... For how much was completely unpredictable and insane tonight, um, the thing that you could bank on and could see coming a mile away was Notre Dame's offensive line was going to grind South Carolina's front seven to dust by the end of the game. Uh, and that is exactly what happened. Um, Notre Dame asserted itself. The best unit on the field needed to be Notre Dame's offensive line. It was. And as soon as they took over, South Carolina, frankly, just they couldn't they couldn't live with uh, Jared Patterson and Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. And um, one thing that post game on the field, I'm going to quote Blake Fisher as he was celebrating with the offensive linemen um, as they posed for a photo quote, put that shit on our backs. We're going to take care of it every time. And I think that kind of summed up the game for Notre Dame um, as, as much as this game could be summed up. Happy New Year to you too, Pete. Yeah. That was a 90 second intro that featured a cocaine reference and a, a, a shit bomb. Uh, yeah, but I think that sums it up nicely. I mean, it, you know, Marcus Freeman's first bowl game last year, they were up 28, seven, they lost this one. They're down 21, seven. They come back and win. Um, you promised on our last pod, you would not make any grand conclusions on Notre Dame's personnel or season based off this one game. And, um, uh, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Because, I'm definitely not doing that. No, I mean, this game was a, a hot mess. Um, the, they moved they, they they did what we thought they would do what they we knew they would do and yet they made it hard for themselves because that's kind of been Notre Dame football 2022 in a nutshell uh look they definitely opened up the playbook for Tyler Buckner a little bit more he certainly did not look limited and that was refreshing to see because again this is a guy who has not played a football game in more than three months and who by all accounts 
when we last saw him before this game was not going to be anywhere close to being ready for a game this soon. And, and, you know, they, they eliminated any doubt about his health with the way they ran him um, and let him loose today. Uh, three touchdown passes, two touchdown runs, three interceptions, two of which were brought back for touchdowns. Tyler Buckner for his career right now has eight interceptions, four of which have been brought back for touchdowns. Um, again, you want to open up the offense. You're going to subject yourself to this. I know the guy hasn't played a whole lot of football. He's about to be a junior in college. Um, you know, again, not to draw too many grand conclusions from here. Cause I think he showed a lot of nice things, particularly upstairs uh, by bringing Notre Dame back and making that big third down throw to ultimately win the game with a touchdown pass to Mitchell Evans. Uh, but yeah, Sam Hartman, the, the seat is, is, is here for you to, to join and to go out there and grab this. Um, <laughs> Like it, it's, yeah. it's, it's very frustrating if you're a Notre Dame fan to watch this game. I mean, Notre Dame outgained South Carolina by 206 yards and they needed a last second drive or excuse me, a last second stop oh after a final drive to win. I didn't realize they put up 558. It's their second highest yardage total of the year behind South North Carolina uh, when they put up 576. And funny enough, it was our highest yards per play of the year at seven. Or excuse me, second highest. You want to guess what their highest was? I never would have guessed this. It wasn't obviously North Carolina. Uh geez. Well, I mean, couldn't have been Boston College. Was it Clemson? USC, 7.85. Oh, right. Yeah. That um so, yeah, it was it was definitely a game where Tyler Buckner showed a ton of rust, um, but also showed a ton of the stuff that was like, yes. That is why Notre Dame recruited him in the first place. That is why Notre Dame thought he could be the guy to take the offense to the next level. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but he showed flashes of the plus athlete off platform throws, changing arm angles, the kind of the kind of stuff that he can make a play when there's not it's not set up perfectly to make a play. Um he can turn a broken play into a positive whereas I don't think that was what you know, Drew Pine could do. I mean, I'm not uh, Jack Cohn didn't really do it a lot, but like you saw some of the good stuff from Buckner. I mean, you saw a lot of the bad stuff too, but I mean, this is his first win as a starting quarterback since his junior year of high school. Wow. And this, that was like December of 2019. Uh, it's been a solid three years since he's won a game as a starting quarterback, you know, COVID in 2020 didn't start in 2021. Um, you know, 0-2 as a starter in 2022. So it, I, I asked him after, like, what do you, like, what do you carry from this forward? And you know, he talked about the mistakes and you know the decisions, and I don't know what the second pick six was. Marcus Freeman said twice, like, bad decision, really bad decision. Um, but I think it, it, you know, Buckner and I think Freeman said this too, like, he will go back to work and get after it, and it was implied that you know he'll be doing that at Notre Dame, like whether Sam Hartman is here or not. So that is, they need Tyler Buckner to be part of whatever the solution is in 2023 for Notre Dame football. But I mean, to do what they did tonight, I mean, to put up, he threw for 274, Davis Sherwood props to you one for one 20 yards, <laughs> um, you know, to basically have 300 yards passing without Michael Mayer. That's, I mean, that's something I felt like if there was a, takeaway moving forward like you know kind of the big picture thing that i said i wasn't going to do it was could the receivers fill the void of number 87 
And I thought they did a really nice job. Like Jaden Thomas looked like a guy that you doesn't isn't just like a number three receiver. I mean, he looks like a solid number two. Um, you know, Mitchell Evans is not going to be your first option at tight end uh, in terms of in the passing concepts the way Mayer was, but he is an option in the in passing concepts. I mean, it, there was no Merriweather, no Styles, no Colsey tonight in terms of receptions, but um, I thought that. They showed some good things on that side of the ball. And then, look, I mean, defensively, to go without um, Isaiah Foskey, like the defensive line got better in the second half. It did not make the jump that the offensive line made, but the fact that they were able to really harass Spencer Rattler in the second half of the game, I think, was very critical towards South Carolina's, South Carolina's offense essentially shutting down. Um after halftime, they really they could not do anything short of that forty-two yard um, bomb to Leggett that was like inbounds, maybe not inbounds. I'm not really sure, but um, there's a hell of a play. Catch, I'm, not, but, I'm still not yeah, sure myself, yeah. but <laughs> but it's like that was it. That was their offense in the second half. So it's um, I I give Al Golden a lot of credit um, and Tommy Reese a lot of credit because man, the the first half was bad. Uh, and they both found the right levers to pull in the second, and that was impressive. Yeah, uh, you know, after outside of that touchdown pass and outside of the final drive, which only went for 27 yards, uh, Notre Dame had five three and outs. Five, they had a stretch of in the second half of six possessions, five three and outs that they forced defensively. Yeah, um, they clamped down defensively. I think. Once they got their legs under themselves, I mean, you know, it was such a crazy first quarter. South Carolina scores a touchdown in three different phases of the game. They're up 21-7. Buckner's throwing a pick six. This is his first start in forever. Oh, my God. Like, one team came to play. The other didn't. It, it could have gone out of hand. It didn't. And, and once they got within a score, I thought, all right, as long as they don't, you know, play outside of themselves here, they're the better football team, and they will establish that. And, again, you know, they put up 558. They win by seven. I, I think any rational mind who watches this game thinks it should have been more. It should have been worse. I mean, the pick six was awful. I mean, I think you tweeted it just looked weird from the start with you know some confusion on Buckner. Uh, no need for that when you can put the game literally away in South Carolina. Had nothing that's a, going for that's it. That's a Absolutely slow it into row for. 10. Like, if, yeah. if you're not certain, get rid of the – it's not – because that's like people in that moment were like, why the hell isn't Reese running the ball? And I, and I get it. But I'm okay with the play call, but the decision was awful. Like that's a right. if if it's not there, throw it away. I think they call that like zero or hero. Like that's the that's the vocabulary that Reese uses with that stuff. Like in in the same way, Buckner described the touchdown to Mitchell Evans to win it as like kind of a zero to hero play. Yeah. Like either either it's what it's open for you, and if it but if it's not, chuck it into the stands. Um, and I think that was that was kind of one of those things where you're like, all right, Buckner kind of like blinked a little bit in that moment um was able to you know obviously bounce back from it which i mean that was a hell of a thing to bounce back from um but you know again it's it's a guy who's played i think he had 120 snaps all season before this game um he hasn't played in three months like of course you're gonna have some rust out there of course like you're gonna have some decision making that's iffy but like that that one they that one is like you just can't do that, um, and I, yeah, I, I give Notre Dame credit for bouncing back from it because that was that could have that could have crushed um, that could have crushed a young quarterback. No, definitely. Look, this game, you know, a lot of good, a lot of not good. Surprised he got MVP. Um, I don't know who votes on that I, stuff. I, but. I give Buckner credit <laughs> because as soon as he got up there, uh, 
the offensive line was taking like a position photo while Buckner was up getting the MVP. And they're like, oh, it's the MVP. And the first thing Buckner said was like the offensive line was awesome. So like he knows if if a group could have been the game MVP, tonight was the night when the Notre Dame offensive line should have been the MVP of the Gator Bowl. You know, it's funny. I um, It reminded me a little bit of the pinstripe ball 2013. I think it was Tommy Reese's last game as a player. He played pretty solid. I thought like this will be a nice cap on on what's been you know quite a quite a career for the guy you know maybe he gets the MVP of this game and they gave it to a left tackle who I believe to this day is the only offensive lineman to ever win an MVP of anything ever right. um, so good good for Zach Marty he's obviously done pretty well for himself since then but yeah that one was a little bit confusing but look Buckner needed this right like now yes. that like he played a full game start to finish and won it and didn't get hurt. He made a lot of mistakes, but lived to tell about them at the end and drove them downfield for a game-winning touchdown drive. Uh, again, they're like, I need to see 60 minutes from this guy, both good and bad. I think Notre Dame need to see 60 minutes from this yeah. guy, both good and bad, to have something to go off going into the season, regardless of what that room looks like this spring. Um, like As crazy as it sounds, as familiar as everyone in Notre Dame universes with this name and as tied as he's been to Notre Dame since what was it? 2019. I think he committed still hadn't yes. seen really anything from him. Good or bad uh, until right. this point, until the final I mean, you'd day, seen some bad, right? Like we've, you, the, the Marshall game was bad. It was bad. Um, it was bad, I, but just, you need a game to like evaluate this guy. And yes, I totally you got that. And he won and he led them to a game winning drive. And again, I, I think Notre Dame did, a lot of things to screw this game up and make it incredibly <laughs> difficult for themselves when that wasn't necessary at all. Um, I mean, they were the better team. There's no question about it. I mean, I, I don't like to word, use the word fluky, but, you know, a pick six, a fake uh, field goal early on. South Carolina jumps up to a really big lead. I, I didn't think it was sustainable unless Notre Dame really had their will broken, which, look, it, it looked close to getting to that point with how dominant South Carolina was early, but credit to Notre Dame for bouncing back. It just seemed like one of those games, one of those weird bowl games, right? I mean, you know, Kansas, Arkansas the other night, like a different game, but another like second tier bowl game between power five teams where you've got one team up 25 points in the second half and ends up going to triple overtime because that's just kind of the nature of the beast this late in the game when you've got so many young people playing in spots that they're not used to. I mean, even South Carolina in the first half, um, Brock Eisweiler, or not Brock Eisweiler, he had the other game. This was uh, Stinchcomb, right? Uh, Matt, Stinch, Matt Stinchcomb, I'm sorry. Um, pointed out, you know, on the one drive in the second quarter, South Carolina had three defensive guys on one offense possession. They damn near threw a touchdown pass to the defensive end Jordan Birch, which would have been amazing um, right. if it went through. So both teams were stretched thin in that regard. Um, it was a weird game, but it was a fun game. The end of the day, the, the team that was better won it. Um, and, and let's face it, this would have been a much bigger deal, both nationally and for both sides, if South Carolina won this game, right? Like South Carolina yes. done their season with wins over Notre Dame, Tennessee, and Clemson would have been a huge deal for Shane Beamer. And Notre Dame to lose this game to South Carolina would have been a huge deal. Instead, it's you know not quite status quo, but but you know it, it, it's what was expected to happen. And again, nine and four with the way this season started. Pretty impressive for, for Marcus Freeman, especially if this entire staff comes back, which, again, as of now, at the end of the calendar year, looks like it's on track to happen. So uh, a lot happened today. A lot happened this year. 
as you stated countless times, I'm hesitant to like make any grand proclamations about what this all means, but there's definitely 60 minutes of game film uh, for a lot of people who who needed it um, going into the spring to work off. Yeah, and I would say like, again, I don't want to go down the big picture path here, but when when you reference like the better team won, what was expected to happen, happened. Like Notre Dame has not done what was expected to happen, happened a whole lot or not enough, no. not consistently enough this season. Um, you know, in, in some ways, this game felt like it was emblematic of the other just crazy bonkers, volatile mood swings that Notre Dame football played through. Um, but they, I mean, and they didn't always come out on top of those, but I think for, for them to be the better team and sort of, um, I guess sort of express that and overwhelm South Carolina with the talent that they have, like that you, you have to have good coaching to like, let that talent come out. Uh, I'm not saying like Notre Dame is like, like they're not LSU 2019, um, but they have some good pieces that have had a hard time like getting on track. Like Braden Lindsay should have like seven touchdowns this year. Um, they haven't been able to like maximize what they do have. And for them to offensively do that tonight, um, I guess I wouldn't say maximize when you throw three picks, but to put up 558 to average seven yards, um, to have the offense look different, right? Like, I, I thought maybe we would see like Tyler Buckner revert to the Tyler Buckner we saw against Ohio State and Marshall to a certain effect where it was like kind of conservative, you know, playing tight, um, ball control type stuff. And, you know, Marcus Freeman said after the game, like he was asked about trying to establish the run in the second half, but also like take shots when you can, like they had a beautiful like play action shot on first down for the 44 yard touchdown to Lindsay. And he said, like the quote was, we can't play keep away. And when he said that, I immediately thought of the Ohio state game because right. that's what they tried to play. Keep away. Um, I think even in Marshall, they were trying to like shorten the game in some ways. They just couldn't do it because they couldn't move the ball. But uh, for Notre Dame to go out and sort of like, kind of like let it all hang out a little bit. Um, oh, offensively, like, like just kind of, saying screw it let's like let's go for it um i'm not sure notre dame has really just like said screw it let's go for it for a game um they've had they've done it in moments but not for a game like they did like this and like maybe that's maybe there's some growth for marcus freeman too about because i think marcus freeman for how new school he seems and how sort of updated and modern he appears like he's pretty old school right like I don't, I don't think people quite Play for Jim Trestle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's exactly where I was going. Like, I don't think people quite grasp how much Jim Trestle there is in Marcus Freeman. Cause he's young and hip uh, and fit. And Jim Trestle is wearing a sweater vest and has glasses and looks like, well, looks like a Senator. Um, so that, but I think for Marcus Freeman to sort of cut loose a little bit um, or let Tommy Reese cut loose or um, you know, bring some pressures from Al Golden, let them cut loose. Like maybe there is some growth for Marcus Freeman there too. Um, that when you're the better team, be aggressive, make that talent differential show. Um, and I think you, you do that by really like getting after it and trying to try to put it on somebody opposed to 
playing ball control and managing game situations. Like you can do that too, but uh, pounding somebody into the ground when you have an offensive line as good as Notre Dame, like that's that's smart business decision. Yeah, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised by by everything just for for the reasons you just said. I mean, I think until it was announced until this game was announced whenever it was early december and marcus freeman gets up there on that zoom saying you know tyler tyler buckner's practicing uh you know like you know he's one of the quarterbacks practicing that we're considering to start this game after drew pine transferred um i was shocked because that was an accelerated timetable and even with that accelerated timetable not that i ever thought Notre Dame would put the guy in harm's way um the guy's injury prone. He's had injury history. This could right. very easily be looked at as a one-off kind of consolation game that doesn't mean anything, um, especially if you already have, you know, a, a plan, a quarterback for next year. Um, and again, health concerns, however real or not, they may have been like you. I just kind of thought, okay, they've got the better offensive line. They've got the better running backs. Um, Tyler Buckner is going to play, but what's that really mean if he's not fully healthy? He was fully healthy. I mean, I, you know, based, based on the amateur eye here, and yeah, I mean, he, play, t- like he they, took they, shots on that oh, shoulder in the first half. I mean, yes. when when they snuck him on, I think it was a third Early. one. Yeah. I was like, all right, he's yep. he's fully healthy. Like that's what I needed to see. Um, that was well, here, that was significant. Here, here's a, I don't know if I'd say fun, but it's definitely hypothetical. Knowing what we know now. And Tyler Buckner was healthy enough to start this game. I mean, Drew Pine didn't transfer. Like, what would the lead up to this game have been, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Would it have been Tyler Buckner in a package? I, I'm sure they, they would have tried to play him in some capacity. Because, um, like, again, but, that wasn't even, like, at least on my radar that as an option until Drew Pine left. And Marcus right. Freeman said, yeah, yeah Buckner's practicing. I was like, what? Were, yeah, I knew he was practicing because you – but it's like the practice – the practices, it was like, you know, no contact. He's just kind of kind of like a modified practice plan opposed to like running the game plan. Um, so yeah, this there was I didn't hear whispers of hey, Tyler Buckner's gonna come back and beat out Drew Pine for the starting job in the Gator Bowl. Um, you know, if Drew Pine was still around. So I think in some ways it kind of like ripped the band-aid off that. Um, because I think, you know, for Drew Pine to his credit for everything he delivered to Notre Dame, I think there's kind of a maximum there. Um and the story with Tyler Buckner was always going to be or needed to be. Can this guy take the program higher than it's been? Um, you know, and like not saying he's going to be better than Ian book or Jack Cone, but you wanted to take a shot to see if like a guy with, you know, more physical ability could then put it all together and be a better quarterback. Um, you Basically, know, so what that, JJ McCarthy's doing for Michigan right now, is right? Constantly. Yeah, I mean, because that was the guy they that between McCarthy and Buckner, they chose Buckner. Um, so it's they to just get a little bit of that. You made this point earlier, just like to have that on tape now. Um, you know, somewhat for Reese and Freeman, but definitely for Buckner himself, I think is really significant because, like, if he's here in the spring and Sam Hartman's here in the spring, and there's a quarterback competition, I mean, the guy who's thrown 110 career touchdown passes is going to win that quarterback competition. But Tyler Buckner should also have a lot of confidence in himself, whether he's the starter or not more confidence than um, he's probably had at any point in his career here at Notre Dame. So I think that's, that's a significant thing for keeping him around. Um, I think it's a significant thing for developing him the right way. Like, so he's in a good mental headspace, even if he's not QB one. So it, um, it's going to be a fascinating development. I do, I do think that's that's probably 
there are there are things that Notre Dame can carry out of this game that do matter moving forward. But and I think that Tyler Buckner's confidence is probably the biggest of all of them. I agree completely. Um, and again, I keep people look at these as as math problems and issues. They're not problems. I mean, how often do you go? Does any team go wire to wire with one starting quarterback? Right. I don't care how good he is. Like to have a guy who's played at the level Tyler Buckner has, even if it's just based on today. Uh, is going to make that room better, more competitive, regardless of who else comes there. And we both expect that to still be uh, Sam Hartman. By the way, um, you were there. I was not. Um, missed quite a bit on TV. I mean, the, the the Kai Kroger fake field goal, they cut, like they were showing a replay of the third down play. And then you see a guy celebrating in the end zone. Um, also did not get to see what it was that Jalen Snead did. Um, to get I, did, a I missed. For, yeah, I was down on the field, so I, I did not see whatever Snead did. I I thought there was a personal foul, as if Snead got hit or something. And then when they called it on him, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, what happened there?" Um, didn't see that. There was a lot, you know, the fake field goal. Marcus Freeman talked about this after the game. He's because uh, he was asked, like, "Did you think about just calling a timeout there?" And he's like, like "Did they no. line up as a field goal?" Like. Again, the, no, the, like, it was like, it was like kind of a fake play. I okay. don't, yes, I need they, to go they, back and watch it, but I don't think the kicker was on the field. Um, I don't think so either. At least, base again, they cut into it when the ball's in the air, and then the replay they showed it was a funky formation. Yeah, it was kind I, of I, a I never seen the lineup, for, uh, but Mark, yeah, Marcus was asked, like, well, did you think about calling a timeout? And he's like, no, we had we had it covered. He's, he was like, all right, do we have everyone covered? And the answer was yes, but then. I have to go back and watch it to see who the parties were here. They had two guys covering one guy and then the other guy ran wide open. So that's, it was Nar- kind of narrative. a busted the, coverage. The special teams was all the talk for both teams coming into this. And sure enough, uh, Brayden Lindsay with a 20 yard, uh, a fake punt play. Uh, that ends up, uh, actually, no, that did not set up the touchdown, right? That was, Oh yeah, it did. Yeah, it did set up the, the Logan Diggs touchdown to typically yeah, 30, yeah. 31. Um, and then, uh, Kai Kroger, uh, by the way, Kai Kroger, the uh, South Carolina punter, for his career, six of six passing, three touchdowns. And by the way, Lake Forest, Illinois, Tommy Reese. Let's get that no. guy in the fold here. Um, Go Scouts. Him, Riley Mills, and uh, the rest of them can all come to Notre Dame. Um, I also thought uh, I thought it was a funny comment. Uh, play-by-play man Taylor Zarzer uh, made a comment. They're talking about South Carolina. He goes, Irish fans are well-represented too, which was probably the first and only time I've ever heard of Notre Dame's fan base as like the other at any game. Oh, the, the crowd, um, like, the crowd was, uh, it seems two oh, to one. Seemed, I would say, I would say two to one or maybe even 70, 30, um, it seemed South all Carolina. South Carolina on TV. Uh, the state newspaper today story said South Carolina fans or, and I don't know how you get to the bottom of all this, but it said South Carolina fans had bought 40,000 of the 65,000 tickets that were sold. So that I would, sounds about right. I think that probably least. does sound about right. Based on like all the red, I would say like, South Carolina had its side, but then it also had both end zones. Um, and then Notre Dame had its side, but it was kind of, you know, more between the twenties, uh, and in the upper deck, like it was, it was definitely a pro South Carolina crowd. Um, I don't know how much that had to do with the, the way the game played out, but it was not a, probably gave them not a, shot not a, arm in the beginning yeah, when they were up. Yeah. Big, but it was not an easy environment for Notre Dame to come in. Just like it was a, a random neutral site game. Like it was, it was a it was a really good energetic crowd. I mean, it was better than the Fiesta Bowl last year, um, hmm. in my opinion. Like this, this was a good bowl crowd. Well, um, I, sorry, in, indoor football games just are never gonna yeah, not never, could. but they they don't generally compare to 
to outdoor football games, but it was um, also better than the, the pinstripe bowl, which is the second time we've it's really? been referenced on this podcast. <laughs> two times Just, too many. Um, correct. Shot, I was going to do a Staten Island show to P Lumbo, but we've done up Wagner football talk to start the show, to start <laughs> the year on the show. Uh, Xavier Luggett's catch, by the way, the incredible 42 yarder uh, that you may or may not have been out of bounds on. They uh, took it, they, the TV shot to the crowd to a fan wearing a Catholic's first cock shirt, which I admittedly spit up my Diet Coke laughing at when I saw, and then did a quick search to see that that had been a popular seller online. And a couple Twitter users replied saying, um, uh, well, it was rosary versus rotisserie was another one, which Ooh, I like I, that. I pre- see, I, I appreciate the effort and the creativity, but that just does not roll off the tongue the way Catholic's no, first yeah. cox does. And that's right. the last time I'll say Catholic's first cox on the show and probably ever. <laughs> Let's get back to the pinstripe bowl. Um, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I thought that it, in terms of, I guess, does it does this change a whole lot about how you felt like Notre Dame's season went and like what Marcus Freeman accomplished in year one? If they lost, probably a little Isn't bit. Isn't that weird? Like, I feel the same way. I, f- I feel like 
it it was more like a validating what we kind of thought. Whereas if they lost, I would probably it would be like a question everything type of uh, situation, which is which is not right or fair. Like it's the Gator Bowl. You're playing without two starters. I realize South Carolina's without its offensive coordinator, who apparently left half a game plan for them. Um, you know, it was it it just felt like a game where the two things I wanted to see this year. This was the only time that we saw them. I wanted to see Marcus Freeman manage a game, make in-game decisions that help Notre Dame win, and I wanted to see Tyler Buckner like get some kind of evaluation on him. Um, this was the only time this season that that both those things happen at once. So I, I feel like it. While the Buckner evaluation is very brief and very limited, um, I think you're able to see enough out of that. So I, I feel like it. It goes down as a successful bowl game for Notre Dame, aside from the result, because. Um, the Marcus Freeman year one head coach, he's no longer a first year head coach. And then, uh, Tyler Buckner being like, okay, you've got something there. That's, those are two pretty big boxes to check. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're, when you're the favorite and you're the the team that's expected to win, you have everything to lose, not everything, but you have a lot more to lose than to gain in a game like this, yeah. which is why I think we both came away with that takeaway. Um, you know, if they lose because the quarterback that they've been counting on and promising all of us as a future forever throws a stupid pick six, like that's a narrative that drags throughout your offseason, whether you like it or not. Um, and so, again, I think winning like there are good things from winning. Obviously, I'm not dismissing it as just another game. Um, there's a really hot South Carolina team that was very confident coming into this mm-hmm. game that built a considerable advantage early on in Notre Dame weather the storm and came back and won. And, you know, I, it's cliche to say, oh, this game was a microcosm of their season and yada, yada, yada. But again, I think, you know, one thing we've learned about this team and about the Marcus Freeman era so far, um, they've been resilient. And, you know, again, yeah. you'd rather not have to prove that um, by not losing games you should win. But as a first-year head coach to, to, to bounce back from Marshall, to bounce back from Stanford, to bounce back within this game, the way they did um, has to make you feel good about the direction of this program moving forward. It's funny. You, you mentioned Marcus Satterfield and I know we talked about fan t-shirts already today, but they showed a kid. It was a kid. Like I don't think he was a student in the crowd wearing a, a, a Garnet shirt that uh, said fire sat. And I'm thinking, you think you got a tough Notre Dame or anywhere else? Go to the SEC where you literally leave your job to go to Nebraska and the fans are still making and wearing t-shirts of the game saying to fire you after you already left. I mean, that is brutal. <laughs> that is tough. Uh yeah, I mean they're they're a pretty rabid fan base. It's uh I get the, I mean, we joke about like the it means more or whatever the hell that tagline is like it does like <laughs> I, get, I get it it does like i it, it, it is spot on for how arrogant it sounds it's absolutely spot on speaking of arrogant did you see the lou holtz uh voiceover that notre dame put out before the game where it, it closes with we're notre dame and you ain't which i thought was like uh, oh we got lou holtz to do that for the south carolina game i was like do you think he knew pop- that they're playing south carolina yeah, um, i don't know <laughs> I, I think I saw that going around. I didn't watch it start to finish. So I didn't, I was unaware of that ending, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a thing. Um, sideline interviews for Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey, big departure from the guys who opted out last year and the way they were treated by the coaching staff. Um, to say, the yeah, least. They, they were definitely around there and there was nothing awkward about it. It was like super awkward last year with, for Hamilton and Williams. Like, you know, I, I wondered like what that, I almost just went up to Foskey and asked him because he was standing right in front of me. He was like, what was that game like to watch? Like, 
right. got to be pulling you in like eight different directions. Um, there's not, but there's, I mean, there's obviously nothing he can do about it, but uh, I had to think like, and, it, but then it's also, I'm walking down to the field. I didn't see the injury, but Jared Patterson got hurt and you're just like, damn, like the guy who opts in gets hurt. I didn't know if it was serious or not. By the time I got down to the field, he was back in. Yeah, it was fine. But it's just like when you oh, see yeah. him down on the turf, you're like, come on. Um, yeah. Oh, no, so, I'm not, not not yeah. anyone for opting out. I just no, think no, 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 no. there were opt-outs um, last year that were not given the red carpet treatment that these guys were this year. By, yeah. By the coaching staff. Yeah, um, definitely. Spe- speaking of which, I'm about to go to sleep last night after uh, whatever the bowl game was between Texas and Washington. I decided to watch – SVP in front of the show, Stanford Steve. They gave out their awards and uh, they gave out the favorite tight end, Stanford Steve's favorite tight end award, which actually had a trophy that's about the size of this pen I'm holding right now. Uh, Stanford Steve said the best tight end in college football, maybe in my lifetime. He didn't win the Mackey, but he wins this award. It's bigger, it's better. He's the best. Um, high praise <laughs> from a man who knows a thing or two about tight end play uh, for, for Michael Mayer, who was missed today, but it was nice to see Mitchell Evans and gang, the gang, you know, get their moment in the sun, if you will, especially uh, ultimately again the game winning touchdown. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. I thought that it was interesting. Shane Beamer talked about um, the depth of South Carolina being stretched maybe too far, um, and they they de- while they were not missing two first team All Americans, um, they were missing a, a higher volume of guys. Um, and I thought that Notre Dame's depth probably answered the bell tonight in a way that, like, you know, they, they rotated a little bit more at linebacker. I mean, they were missing Ben Morrison for much of the second half. Clarence Lewis got beat for the – I mean, I think Benjamin Morrison probably also would have got beat for that 42-yard touchdown because it was just a ridiculous throw and catch. But um, the fact that the secondary was – when they knew South Carolina was going to show or throw – they're without Brandon Joseph. They're already out without Jason Adam Malola, defensive tackle. They're without Isaiah Foskey. Then they're without Benjamin Warson. Um, those are some those are some frontline guys. So it um I thought from the the state of Notre Dame's program probably showed that it's it's a lot healthier than I think maybe it's given credit for sometimes. Um, because I think we're always focused on like catching up to Georgia or Alabama or like, you know, Ohio state in some ways, but um, this is, you know, for Notre Dame to sort of get over those teams, they have to be able to put away North Carolina, South Carolina, BYU, Stanford, Marshall. Um, They need to win all of these games that they should. And I think a, uh, a more, while the game was insane, um, the winner was predictable and like, that's uh that's a credit to the coaching staff and the the program that they've de- inherited, but also the program that they've developed. Certainly. I mean, I think once they got it to uh 24-17, I think it was a halftime score, and you knew they were getting the ball coming back. Yeah. Even though they didn't take their first lead of the game crazy enough until the 12-minute mark uh of the fourth quarter, I, I thought, all right, they they stemmed the tide, they slowed it down a little as long as they don't do anything stupid, which they still did do, they're going to win this game. I, I didn't think they'd end up after the first half they had defensively. I didn't think they'd be as dominant defensively as they ended up being in the second half. Now, again, I thought they were the deeper team on where it mattered both on both sides, mattered most on both sides. And that would ultimately play the deciding factor in this. Um, I was surprised they came out as flat as they did defensively in the first half against South Carolina. Um, and b- by the way, uh, 
Two number zeros, pe- penalties on two number zeros. You got South Desperado Carolina. in there. You the got Desperado it. package. I had to. Yes. From the 2012 pick game. Uh, it was Bennett Jackson, Chris Brown, I believe, right? Or it was in it on was two a twos. missed field goal that should have been replayed and would have ended Notre Dame's perfect season. Um, we, don't talk, we don't talk about that. It never happened, according <laughs> to the yeah. Um Benjamin Morrison, six interceptions on the year. I don't have this stat in front of me, but who do you who when's the last time that's happened? Oh, I mean, just six picks. Yes. Because I don't think Julian Love had a ton of picks. He had like an insane number of PBUs. Um, So, yeah, six picks. I have to go back and see when the last time that happened. Um, Manti Teo. uh, Maybe, yeah. Yeah, our uh, co-producer here informs me from over my left shoulder. So, yeah, that's, I mean, what a just incredible freshman season i mean it's like a surefire future pro um you know i think troy pride was tweeting out during the game like this guy should be on every list um imaginable like preseason first team all american next year and i would i would tend to agree i mean that that was a really really nice pick it's not like the ball just came right. to him he went up and got it and like kind of a small world moment too because he used to work out with spencer rattler in high school um oh, they're both okay. from the phoenix area um talk to morrison a little bit about that uh, in bowl prep. So it, uh, they've, they've definitely got, you know, I, I don't know who the next mayor is. I don't know who the next Foskey is. I thought that, you know, the well, defensive may- line mayors sort of... don't grow on trees yeah, either. I mean, no. as good as their name is at that position. Yeah. I, th- I think that they're, they're probably going to be a little bit short on the defensive line next year, but I'm not sure what's up with Brandon Joseph and his, if he's, I would think that he would depart. I think that was the plan coming in, but I'm not sure he had the season that he needed to have for that to make sense. However, um, if he did return, you know, safety position, I thought was, was pushed to the limit tonight. Um, you know, but Xavier Watts improved during the course of the season. Ramon Henderson made some plays, um, that were significant, especially in the second half. So it, uh, I mean, Hey, Jaden Mickey, who's, I think had a very difficult freshman season in terms of the moments, like he made a couple plays tonight. So I think there was enough youth out there for Notre Dame that you feel like, okay, the next next wave you you got you kind of know who you're going to be building around moving forward when mayor's gone and fosky's gone and um you know the Adamolo, uh jason admiral is gone so um you know and i we've been going for almost 40 minutes here uh and no mentions of jd bertrand who we were texting oh, yeah. with uh old friend of the show about like he only finished i say he only air quotes finished with eight tackles yeah, i feel like, like he had 18 um that I we don't need to belabor the why does JD Bertrand play so much? That's why he plays so much because he diagnoses everything. He is he is a sneaky good shit talker too. If you watch the game, I don't know if that comes through on TV. Um, it's not at least no, no. No, but. he uh, yeah, he he gets after it. Um, in that in that part of the game too. So props to Bertrand. I, I thought he was magnificent tonight. Um, when I mean especially in the first half when like Notre Dame was on skates defensively except for J.D. Bertrand. And if he wasn't locked in the way that he was, I mean, I thought, you know, Kaiser played well too in the first half. So, but man, they, they needed those, those two old, those older linebackers to deliver uh, Bertrand in particular. I thought he absolutely did that. Uh, just look this up. Uh, Marcus Fuqua from Buffalo to Corian Patterson from middle Tennessee, both have seven picks on the year. Um, uh, our producer was right. Manti Teo's seven picks in 2012 are the most. Um, by an Irish guy, um, you know, Morrison's are the most since then. I'm not sure if that's a season record. It says it's the most. The Notre Dame's game notes say 
uh, most by a cornerback since Cole Luke had four in 2014, but six and five are both more than four. So I don't really understand that stat. Um, not sure what the record is, but Morrison did really, really good. Um, only freshman in the country to have as many picks as he did. Great building block for the future. And again, a guy who was not really on any of our radars, at least imminently to make the kind of impact he did really from the get-go at Ohio State in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to touch on tonight. I did want to at least mention, I tried to pin Marcus down yesterday or Thursday, Thursday whenever we talked to him uh, before the game about quarterback transfers. What are you looking for? What's important? Um, you know, he did say that game experience, they have a very young quarterback room. Game experience is, is a priority. Um, I think that we would see that pointing to Sam Hartman, um, you know, said that fitting in the room is important. I don't, I don't know Sam Hartman at all. Um, but he, you know, you sort of been around him and been around people who know him very well. Um, it's, I think that he will be a good fit for their name if they can get this over the line, but man, it was, um, it uh, it certainly seems like that continues to move in a positive direction. Yeah, uh, right at right when the game went final today, Notre Dame's game, At Perry, uh, Sam Hartman's top target at Wake, two time first team All ACC receiver, uh, declared for the draft. There was some Ooh. okay murmurs, faint hope. I don't know if it was anything more than a message board rumor, but there was some. Hey, maybe At Perry would come with Sam Hartman to wherever he goes. Um, it's not happening, but that's okay. If they get Sam Hartman, um, they should be just fine. Um, you're off to Mexico. I am off to Mexico. Uh, I'll in about ten hours from now. So, oh, you're doing actual New Year's Eve there? Yes, yeah. It will be my flight is uh seven thirty on Saturday morning. So I think by the time most of our listeners are enjoying this podcast, I will be the heck out of here. Um, the idea off, of Ohio State and Michigan winning playoff games on the same day was enough to get you to leave this country. That's uh, what you're saying. I'm going to be, there's going to be a lot of Pacifico uh, around the college football playoff at uh, some various cantina. Is that what they call them? Um, some bar in uh, north of Puerto Vallarta for the next week for me. So I'll be, I will be enjoying that. Uh, you, you are on, uh, I, I, I put you on. Sam, the official Sam Hartman watch now. Sam Hartman uh, watch. Yeah. And then uh, I'll be in LA late next week for the title, which, hey, maybe it will be Ohio State, Michigan. That would be something. I don't Ooh. think it's going to happen, but it's a rare playoff where I I can paint a path for all four teams, even if I believe in some more than others. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up on that. Um, it's been, man, it was a season. I feel like I was joking with my editor, like, I feel like this was, I feel like I covered five seasons uh, in terms of like the, just the volatile mood swings of both the team and the Nordic fan base over this season was wild. Uh, and it was fun to cover. I guess maybe it, it ended the way that it did in a sort of fitting fashion um, where it was the wildest of the wild tonight um, as, as Notre Dame gets out of the Gator Bowl with a 45-38 win over South Carolina. Uh, to move into the offseason, Irish finished nine and four. Marcus Freeman's first full season. We can stop calling him a first year head coach now, which will cut down the word count of my stories quite a bit. Um, and Notre Dame moves forward, and they're going to look a lot different next year. Uh, but I think that if you're a Notre Dame fan, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, um, you should feel good about, I guess, the direction of the program, um, not just because of what you saw tonight, but because of what you saw over the last really two and a half months um everything post stanford when 
this season really could have gone sideways and not turned itself back around. So um, I think that is probably the biggest takeaway of all for Notre Dame season is they they had a season that that could have really just been lost and they were able to not just salvage it but go out on a high note. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I said it, you know, in the pre Gator Bowl show. I say it again. Uh, in some ways, I, I come away from twenty twenty two more impressed with Marcus Freeman than I was going in, even with the knowledge of the fact he was the head coach who lost to Marshall and Stanford this year at Notre Dame. I think the way he rebounded and got that locker room back in peace um, after both losses, and you know, even after the USC loss, which was expected to, to come out and, and, and win today and, and to do it and come from behind fashion, uh, has to make you feel good about the makeup of the room and the program moving forward. It was, to your point, you know, boring can be good. I don't. I don't want to dismiss. You know how hard it is to be consistently good. But the last five you, were, years, were you about to say it's hard to winning, winning is hard. hard. Winning were you is hard, about yeah. to say that? Okay, um, yeah, sure. we, we've heard enough coaches and wannabe coaches say that over the last twelve months. Um, no, but Notre Dame was a very predictable program for the most part over the last five years. Which again, is oh, yeah. mostly a good thing. Um, they were not at all predictable this year. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Definitely made our jobs more exciting. Um, but, but I do like the direction of this program. Um, again, right now looks like everyone's going to stay in place. Who knows what happens? I mean, it was funny seeing the timeline on during the game today. Um, it was like, they were showing Marcus Freeman's first year timeline. He, he gets hired on December, whatever he has this. And that said, February, I think 16th hires Al Golden. I'm thinking no way to take him that long to hire a defense coordinator than I thought, oh yeah, the Super Bowl. Like he literally right. had a Super Bowl to coach, and the Super Bowl goes to mid February right now. So who knows? The carousel is what it is. Um, but things seem pretty temperate on Notre Dame's part right now. And um, yeah, I guess I'll send you off to Mexico on that note. Appreciate everyone tuning in as always this year. This year definitely was more eventful um and exciting th- than others. I mean, we'll be back probably the minute you're back. I'm sure there'll be at least one big transfer <laughs> move to talk about by yep. then. Um, and some monitoring of, of NFL draft declarations and whatnot, but it's been a fun year. It's it, it, it's been a slice, Pete. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It was a yeah a fitting end to a crazy year. So again, I echo what Matt says. We appreciate all the listeners of the Shamrock. I feel like there are more and more of you who, or at least who come up to us um, <laughs> on the game weekends, uh, practices, just randomly out in the cities uh, that we're visiting. So I I appreciate all the listeners. Uh, really helped sort of build the show to what it is. Um, we enjoy doing it. I think that you guys enjoy listening to it. So thanks to you guys. Uh, and we'll end it there. Following Notre Dame's 45-38 win over South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. Mm-hmm.